fans and the best fans coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart radio station. If the Steelers franchise Le'Veon Bell again, they would pay him $14.5 million in 2018. If the Steelers give Le'Veon Bell what he wants in a long-term contract, they would pay Bell $15 million per year for four or five years. If Bell and the Steelers meet halfway, it would be $13 mil per year, or, or maybe $12 mil, whatever. Is Le'Veon Bell worth that? Is Le'Veon Bell really worth that? Well, let's do the math. And we don't even need Bell stats from 2017, which weren't that good. Let's look at the Super Bowl. Both teams did running back by committee. Let's look at the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles used three running backs in the Super Bowl. Ajayi, Blunt, and Kamon. Between them, those three backs had 155 yards rushing, 100 yards receiving, and two touchdowns. That's in the Super Bowl, which Philadelphia won. The combined cap hit of all three backs is 18% of what the Steelers would pay Bell if he gets the franchise tag again. 18%. 2.6 mil as opposed to 14.5 mil. I did the math. So you tell me, do the Steelers really need Le'Veon Bell? Sick again, sponsored by 84 Lumber, showing you the right way to build since 1956. Uh, Penguin fans, Flurry fans, Vegas Golden Knights fans, what would be your ideal result for tonight's game? Vegas at Pittsburgh, Flurry against Murray. Earlier I said I'd like to see it go to a shootout. But I've reconsidered my ideal result for tonight's game would be Penguins win 1-0, Flurry plays great, Crosby scores his 400th goal. That's my ideal result for tonight. What would your ideal result be? 412-333-WXDX. Uh, getting back to the Le'Veon Bell situation for just a second. I know how good Le'Veon Bell is. But there's a salary cap. You're not playing fantasy football. And the way the Steelers are doing it with this superstar circus, a lot of money spent on toys to play with on the offensive side of the ball and maybe not enough spent on the defensive side of the ball and with inside linebacker in bad need of a fix after Shazier's tragic injury. Uh, the way the Steelers are doing it hasn't worked well enough. So, how long do you keep doing it the same way? And like I said, who's going to play inside backer? 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I would say I'm curious to get a good look at the Vegas Gold Knights up close, the team with the most points in the Western Conference, despite being an expansion squad. But I've seen him a bunch of times. I saw him three times in person when I visited Vegas uh, before the new year. 
One of those games, of course, being when they beat the Penguins. I've seen them on TV quite a bit. Uh, they're the real thing. I do think they have X amount of guys playing over their heads. But by the time you get to the beginning of February, your record doesn't lie. Now, speaking of guys playing over the heads, Carlson ain't this good. I'm not even sure Marcheseau is this good. Statistically, Perone isn't this good. Guys like Eric Halla, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. I don't care if I am. I'm not even sure who that guy is, but he's having a pretty good year. And that's why I think you do, like Katsunika predicted, I think you do keep your guys who are going to be free agents at season's end because who knows when your team's going to be this good again. This is a rare opportunity, a potentially historic opportunity. I think Vegas should try and make the most of it. Uh, Katsunika brought up a, a real good point, too. They really don't have a number one center. Carlson's producing like a number one center, but he's not really a number one center. And uh, they don't have a number one defenseman. They don't have a top pair. They have, like, guys who are all threes and fours and fives and sixes, but they don't have a top pair. And, and that will catch up with them in the playoffs when opposing coaches can draw a bead on favorable matchups. But right now, it's going great for them. And it should be a terrific battle tonight between the Pens and Golden Knights at PPG Paints Arena. Let's talk to Ben and Wexford. Ben, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, what up, Double M? What up, man? About, about the Le'Veon Bell situation. I got to put a comparison on what Liverpool did with Van Dyke. You want yeah, we're not going to do that. Goodbye. What, are you sneaking a soccer call in? Yeah, that'll drive the ratings. You see, that guy, that guy was just some dink who wanted to talk about soccer, so he thought he'd sneak it in by having a Steeler comparison. And now he's scratching his ass and wondering what the hell happened when he went one-on-one -on -one with the great one. And, and, you know, I would like to talk about that stuff, but not on my show. Well, not with you in private either, so forget that idea. Uh, you know, this show's about what, what people want to talk about, and that's not it. But I would like to talk about Lev Bell. And the fact that I think more and more, the notion of getting rid of him, letting him walk, it just makes more sense. You look at what those three backs did for the Eagles and how cheap they were. You look at it being a passing league. You look at New England also doing back by committee and making the Super Bowl. You look at Le'Veon Bell and what he would cost and the fact that he's a gigantic nonstop pain in the ass. Boy, you know, I used to not be able to think of a good reason to get rid of Lev Bell. Now I can't think of a good reason to keep Lev Bell. But, you know, I bet they do. I bet it's long term. I bet he becomes a bigger horse's ass, and I bet the Steelers regret it. And I know for sure they won't win. The Steelers, with this group, will not win. Ever. 412-333. I think they should pick up Virgil van Dyke to play. I don't know where you'd put Virgil van Dyke. Well, an inside linebacker. He'd be better than Vince Williams. Let's go to Mark. Is Mark ready yet? Let's go to Mark from Missouri. Mark, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Good afternoon, Mr. Madden. Good afternoon. 
My ideal score for the final tonight is going to be Pens 4 and Vegas 1. Okay, why? I just see Gino getting at least one goal. I see Sid getting his 400th goal. And yeah, but but why do you want Flurry to give up four goals? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll take a Pens win no matter what the score, but uh, what's wrong with the more low-scoring triumph for Pittsburgh? Well, I see them getting a uh, empty net goal. Yeah, goodbye. Wow. You're boring. You, you totally missed the point of the question. I didn't ask you to predict the score of the Penguins game. I asked the ideal score for the Penguins game, trying to suck you into maybe talking about Flurry a little bit. You ignored that the Penguins are playing the goalie who was on their team for the last 13 years. Right there, these last two calls are why I really prefer to not take calls. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. At the bottom of the hour, it's the godfather, the great Stan Saverin. I'm Mark Madden, 105.90X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, how you doing? Good. Mace is always a component of any nice day. Thank you for making my day. Yeah, what you said. The X at 105.9. I have a blog posted today uh, on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com about uh, the fact that a lot of fans in Pittsburgh... A vocal minority is probably the best way to describe it. Turned on Marc-Andre Fleury after he blew up in the 2012 playoffs and lost his job in the 2013 playoffs to Tomas Bocun. Uh, and the knickers were twisted enough that even though Fleury played great in 14 and 15 in the playoffs, getting two shutouts over the Rangers on consecutive nights in 14, that a lot of fans still were anti-Flurry until Flurry became the number two goalie behind Murray, and then people started rooting for the underdog. So uh, a lot of people are going to be cheering like crazy tonight, and that's good. That's what Flurry deserves upon his return, but uh, a lot of people cheering tonight we're calling for Flurry to be run out of town not all that long ago. But then again, when you're a goalie, that's the most volatile position in hockey, kind of like quarterback in football. That's going to happen. And Marc-Andre Flurry handled that great. Like, he handled everything in Pittsburgh great. That's what happens when a team does bad especially a team that's expected to do better than it does. If it's a football team, the fans blame the quarterback. If it's a hockey team, the fans blame the goalie. In either case, the fans blame the coach because fans don't really know that much. That's what makes them fans. They can pretend by discussing on message boards and social media and playing fantasy football, hockey, baseball, or whatever, but fans just don't know that much. It's a diverger for them, a distraction. They don't participate. They don't do it for a living. And they blame who's easiest to blame. They take their shots at the biggest target. Flurry did play bad in the playoffs in 12 and 13, no doubt about it. But he played in a lot of playoffs here in Pittsburgh. And those were the only two bad ones. And only 2012, the series lost to Philadelphia in the first round. Only in that series was Flurry just insanely bad. 2013, 
when the genius Dan Balsma gave the job to Tomas Falcon. I understood why he did it when he did it, and it wouldn't have made a difference in the conference final against Boston because the Penguins only scored two goals on route to being swept in four games. But Bosma should have gone back to Flurry for the conference final. Just should have. Just like Sullivan ultimately went back to Murray in the 17 playoffs. You go back to your number one guy. Sullivan did it in 17. Bosma should have done it in 13. Let's go to Doug in Penn Hills. Doug, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Mr. Madden. Hi, Doug. I uh, hey, when you were in Vegas, did you get the futures for the, the uh, Knights' chances, odds of making the playoffs? I, I don't remember what they were. Uh, the reason I asked is when the Pens won a, the first cup, I was out there early, and I got odds and made a few pucks, and I'm just wondering what they, they had to be pretty high, you would think. Well, I'm sure they were astronomically high when the season started to win the cup. Yeah. I, I think, if memory serves, they were the second longest shot to win the Stanley Cup. I forget who was uh, Arizona. Arizona was a longer shot, and then Vegas. So uh, if you put down a futures bet on Vegas to, to win the Cup, uh, you got some pretty good odds back then, but uh, I don't think they're going to win the Cup. Oh, I think it's been, it's, it's been a great run. Thank you for the call, Doug. A great run, and I think they could win a playoff round or even two. I don't think they're going to win the Cup. Like I said to Kotsanika, this is a better team than we thought possible. But is it a team that can win seven-game series against good teams? We don't know. We have no precedent upon which to judge that because they've never played in a seven-game series. They're good, but that's a different kind of good. Let's go to Carter in the car. Carter, you're on with Double M. What's up, Mark? What up? Hey, uh, what do you think the Pens are going to have to do differently tonight to uh, get past the number two goaltender in uh, all the NHL right now? What do you mean do different? They haven't had a lot of trouble scoring goals lately, have they? I mean, the 3-1 loss at New Jersey, an exception. I mean, Braden Holtby (laughs) is a recent Vezina Trophy winner, and they put seven in against Washington just this past Friday. Now, also, if you look at it, they lost to New Jersey, and they look like crap. Yeah, I know. I, I just I just said that. Any is there a point to be made here? Or? I'm asking you. You know, Flurry's one of the best goalies in the league. What are they? Do you think they're going to have any better Gee. ideas of how to get around Flurry and how to score on that defense and on Flurry? Right, because they had the one bad game against New Jersey, so you have no faith in them scoring ever again, do you? I mean, do you know how well, stupid you sound? No, that's not my point. What I'm saying. No, no, is, no. The point is, it's stupid. They've been scoring goals all season. Friggin' Malkin has eight goals in four games. They have the number one power play in the league, and now they're supposed to sweat playing the Golden Knights at home, and you don't think they'll score goals because it's Flurry? Flurry's good. You're going to find out tonight he's not maybe that good. Thank you for the call. How are they ever going to score goals on Flurry? They couldn't score against New Jersey. What are they going to do? They've won the last two Stanley Cups, jackass. They'll think of something. Jeez, it, it, the the analysis by paralysis. the the only The only thing you people understand when it comes to analysis is the first four letters. Let's go to Dave and Butler. Dave, you're on with Double M. Mr. Madden, what's up? Best scenario for tonight. 
I'm saying 2-1, Pens win, Flurry gets an empty netter, and Crosby gets his 400. Okay, 2-1, Pens win, Flurry gets an empty netter. Yeah. Okay, that makes zero sense. How will Flurry get an empty netter if Vegas doesn't win? Well, if they were down by one, we might pull our goalie. Or if they're down by one, never mind, I'm retarded. Yeah, 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 you're really stupid, but thank you for the call. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Stupid. Let's go to uh, Corey in the car. Corey, you're on with Double M. Sexy. What's up, man? Uh, back to a, a Steeler question. Uh, I agree with you on those points that you say about they're never going to win. This group is never going to win. Uh, looking at it individually, as far as the players go, if there was a culture change, do you think that this group, obviously they have the talent to beat anybody, could they change? If they went, like if, if Bell goes somewhere else I and gets the big only money. way the only way to change the culture would be to change the coach. Okay. Because but, the coach the coach doesn't think there's a problem. The coach doesn't want to change the culture. He thinks things are hunky dory, but that's what they said about David Bowie. Now say you change the coach, which I agree they probably aren't going to do. No, they definitely aren't going to do. Okay. Would the players, Bell, for example, Brian uh, Brown, would would they follow the lead? Or would they no. ask to go somewhere else where they could no, have the this, leisure? This, this group is hopeless. This group is absolutely hopeless. Thank you for the call. Uh, and, and you know what I can't wait for? When Ben retires, that's when you'll see the true colors of a lot of these players because guys like Bell and Brown, they'll want out the minute Ben retires because they won't think they can win. Mark my words. Next year won't be as good as this year. And once Ben retires, it'll get way worse. Up next, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. Going to talk to Stan Savern here on 105.9. This is Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Joining me now, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. We welcome Stan Savern. Stan, uh, why did Mark andre Fleury connect with Pittsburgh like he did? Because it's going to be very emotional tonight. Uh, it, it certainly will be. Um, I think for a couple of reasons. Number one, he was the first of the first-round draft choices that you know enabled them to begin rebuilding. So he was looked at as kind of a foundational guy, even though it didn't manifest itself right away. Um, I think we all remember his very first performance. It was a losing effort, but it was a fantastic uh, performance. Although, listen, did you know there were people in this town um, who didn't think he was a uh, first-class goaltender, even after he won the Cup, that series against the Flyers and all that stuff. Uh, but I think it was as much personality-based uh, as performance-based. Um, I think, you know, eventually his not eventually, but from the get-go. His character came out. Um, he was the, for sort of one of them, uh, sort of one of us, a very humble guy who worked hard. Um, his talent aside, uh, I just think that it's his character uh, that people found out about, if not you know, individually and one-on-one, but through reports in the media and just seeing him on television. Um, and and uh, he was seen as part of the young upstarts, which they were when all, you know, Sid came in and Gino and all those, Max Talbot, all the, you know, that young group. Um, and I, I think that, you know, his personality, as much as his play, uh, endeared him to the people of this region. Well, Stan, uh, you alluded to this, 
uh, after he blew up in the Philly series in 2012, he was a punching bag for a number of years, and really, uh, he didn't become beloved again until he became the number two goalie and they started winning Stanley Cups, which is a, a pretty good PR one-two punch, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it really is, and that is true. He was a punching bag. Um, I asked people today on my show, what's the best uh, memory of Marc-Andre Fleury? And more than a few people said, the day he was sent to Las Vegas. I mean, where, where are these people coming from? But there was that faction. Look, goaltenders are like quarterbacks. Um, they're like uh, closers who blow games in the ninth inning. Uh, the focus is always on them, and whenever they have a bad game, if indeed it was their fault, most of the time it's not, then they become the focal point. You know, they're the quarterback who throws the interception. There's the cornerback who gets beaten deep. Um, and people who don't know a lot about hockey automatically look to the goaltender and often don't look to the people playing in front of them. Is Flurry better than Murray? right now i'm sure the penguins don't have any regret uh with keeping murray and sending Flurry to vegas but some people think they should yeah i uh I, you got to be practical about this i mean there's no reason on earth to uh second guess what the penguins did there are a number of reasons for it and not all of it and that's the way the game is played today with an era of the salary cap not all of it had to do with performance on the ice I mean, we saw that when Sullivan gave the mask back to Matt Murray when he, he came back after after the injury in last year's playoffs. And I'm sure it was difficult for Fleury uh, to swallow that. He had played so extremely well in winning those two playoff series, the top two, and arguably two of the toughest teams they're going to face in Columbus and, and Washington. Um, uh, again, I would say this, I think, that Flurry is having a better season than Matt Murray has up until this point. That doesn't necessarily mean he's the better goaltender, but he has had the better season. But I also think that I don't know that the Flowers' numbers would be as good as they are had he played behind this Penguins team the way they played October, November, December. I mean, that's a factor as well. Stan, uh, I listed Flurry's greatest moments on my blog today, and really, to me, it's simple. The save on Lidstrom in Game 7 in 09, number one. The, the uh, save on Ovi in Game 7 in 09, number two. And then the shutout of the Washington Capitals in Game 7 last year, uh, number three. Uh, do you differ with any of those, and can you add anything? Um, I, I changed one and two. Um, I realized that it was Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals in 09, um, and not that I'm minimizing that save. We were all there. We saw it firsthand. Uh, but even if Lidstrom scores, not that you'd want to go into overtime on the road, it would have been a tying goal. Uh, and, yes, the cup was on the line. But the one that I will remember the most is the save on Ovechkin in Game 7 in Round 2 in 09. Uh, I, I really believe if he doesn't make that save, the chances of them surviving that game are greatly reduced, and maybe they never get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, the building was just going crazy. The Penguins had blown game six at home. Now the Capitals, I just can imagine what that place, a bunch of front runners they are down there anyway, what that place would have been like if Ovechkin, of all people, had converted on that breakaway. And I think that anyone who was there will tell you that when Flurry made that save, the air went out of the building, the air went out of uh, the, the Capitals, and the Penguins scored not too long after that, and the route was on. 
So again, you know what's 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 better, ice cream or cake? Uh, that's the one that I remember the most. With, with all due respect to Sid and Gino, I don't think the Pens get to where they are right now without Mark Andre Fleury. He was just as necessary. I, I would say that's true. If we're talking about uh, you know playoff performances, um, you know, no question about that. And let's remember that you know he even in '09 he had some you know down years. He got yanked in Game Five in Detroit, but he was very resilient. Whenever he had a bad game, and that happens, it happens to Murray in the playoffs. He would always rebound. And if indeed it's true that goaltending. Uh, is the most important element of your game, especially in the playoffs, then I would agree with that. Let's also remember that, you know, Sid got hurt, you know, early, not, well, early, midway through game seven, and Max Talbot scored the two goals. Not that you only look at one game in the course of a playoff, but your goaltending needs to be steady more often than not. Um, and, and again, we, we have an idea of what his influence in the locker room might have been. Hearing the other players talk about it, it was, it was considerable, it was significant, and you can never quantify what that element of his personality and his game meant to that franchise. We're talking to Stan Saverin, the godfather. He's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman. Uh, Stan, uh, is Marc-Andre Fleury going to make the Hall of Fame? Uh, I was a little bit pessimistic when he left Pittsburgh, but when I look at how well he's played in Vegas and how good that team is, it gives me new hope. I think surely on the numbers. And, and listen, he's 33. Um, a lot of goaltenders really are just in the middle of their prime. Now, not everybody's going to play at 41 like Martin Brodeur did, but I mean, you'd have to look at Flurry, how well-conditioned he is. He's got this and, and maybe three more really good opportunities in him, and I, I think two things will bode well for him in the Hall of Fame. Number one, just the sheer numbers, the amount of victories he's gotten. And let's remember, A, he came to a team that was awful. It was horrible in 2003 and remained that way and didn't make the playoffs until 2007. The second element is some might say, who don't know any better, will say, well, look, look at the great teams he played with uh, in the finals 08-09 and the two cups subsequently. But here he's gone into backstop a uh, an expansion team, a record-setting expansion team. That, to me, along with, obviously, the coaching in Vegas and the other players that they've managed to assemble, that tells me that he had, can win no matter what team he's playing with. The mere fact that, yeah, he was with a three-time Stanley Cup champion during his years, but look, an expansion team, he's got him at the top of the conference. I think that will really bode well in how well he has played in any number of circumstances. Stan, the Penguins are playing pretty good hockey right now, but I think it's a tricky time for them uh, given the injuries. How do you think they'll fare without Patrick Hornquist and Connor Sherry? You know, I think that that story has been underplayed, and largely because of the, the uh, return of the flower. Uh, I don't think that I can underestimate um, how important Patrick Hornquist is. They still have a lot of pro high-profile players, a lot of guys who can score goals, a ton of guys who can score goals. But no one can score goals the way Hornquist does, not to mention the fact that his presence enables a lot of those guys to score goals. Not only on the power play, but I don't think that it's any coincidence that Gino got red hot. He might have gotten hot anyway, but Gino got this hot because of his line mates. They're at least partially responsible for 
Malkin going on the streak that he has, based on what Hornquist does, and, oh, yeah, based on haggling hunting pucks. Uh, I'm very worried about that. I'm, all due respect to Connor Sherry, um, you know, they have players who play like them. They don't have anyone who plays like Hornquist, not even remotely close. And I fear that if it's a long stretch of time, we don't know what week to week actually means. I, I, I think he's irreplaceable. And I'm not, that doesn't mean he's the best player. It doesn't mean he's the most valuable player. It's because of the way he plays the game that he has. There's just no one who plays like him. And I think it's a big concern. And I think it's kind of gotten swept under the rug because we're all talking about Mark Andre Fleury justifiably. Stan, quick football question. Uh, Philadelphia and New England made the Super Bowl doing running back by committee. A lot of teams in the NFL, good teams, are currently doing that. Is that something the Steelers should take note of before they make a, a hard decision about Le'Veon Bell? I think they should take note of it. Um, but, I, you know, you also have to uh, you know, ask the question. It depends on your quarterback. Um, you know, when you stop and think uh, about the success that Foles had, now, you know, some of that is because they've got two pretty good running backs back there. No one of Le'Veon Bell's uh, caliber, but if they don't have that running attack and you strictly have to rely on Nick Foles, um, then you have to stop and consider, can I possibly succeed that way? I mean, the question becomes, when you look at three of the final four in the NFL, who are the three quarterbacks? Nick Foles, Blake Bortles, and Case Keenum. And then you add in Brady. Uh, you know, maybe we should ask about do you want to spend $50 million a year on a quarterback? Uh, but I do think that um, uh, you're going to need a running attack. Can you get it done for less? Possibly, yes. But if, if, if the party, a big part of your offense is the running back catching the ball, then that's a different element to it. If that's going to be your offense, then you need a guy who can do that. Finally, Stan, what was your take on James Harrison's Super Bowl? Uh, I thought he was, by and large, invisible. Uh, if you go by the stats, um, he didn't, wasn't credited with one assisted tackle. He did get the one edge pressure. But as I watch the game, as much as I can tell on TV, I've always believed that Harrison's uh, stronger suit in his latter years was not necessarily rushing the quarterback, but setting the edge against the run. Well, I watched as carefully as I could, and the bottom line is he got blocked. And when he did get blocked, or when he got off a block, he was too slow to get back to the inside to make the tackle. He blocked on the edge. you got to shed the blocker and then get to the ball carrier. He wasn't getting there until very late, five, six yards down the field. Um, he just he can't play to that level anymore. And I, I, I strongly feel if the Patriots had not gotten so injured at the position, there's no way they would have signed James Harrison. I'll be shocked if they bring him back in 2018. Stan, as always, terrific stuff. I'll see you Thursday on your program. All right, Mark. Enjoy the game. That's Stan Saverin. You can see him on TV on AT&T Sportsnet. You can hear him on radio, ESPN Radio Pittsburgh. Double M Live at Buford's on Fifth Avenue. Great pregame crowd trickling in. Uh, in case you haven't heard, Mark andre Fleury's back in town. It's the Penguins and the Vegas Golden Knights. What a story they are, even without Mark andre Fleury. Best expansion team in hockey history and maybe in the history of all of sports. I'm going to talk to Bob McLaughlin next. And if you missed the Mark andre Fleury interview yesterday, we're going to replay it uh, next hour. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. 
the super genius, Mark Madden. Double whammy, what's up? In and out like a psychotic version of the hokey pokey. Mark, you are super genius. I know. The X at 105.9. It's Mark Madden live from Buford's on 5th Avenue. My favorite pregame spot. Please do stop on in. Enjoy the show, but, but better still enjoy a beer, enjoy the menu. All that much more entertaining stuff. Uh, I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, what's your ideal result for tonight's game with the Penguins hosting uh, former goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury and the Vegas Golden Knights? Uh, I'll go a one nothing win in the shootout, Mark. Um, you know, what else am I going to say? 2-1, 3-2, 4-3. You know, I want to see Marc-Andre Fleury have a great night because I know that the, the fans down there are really going to be vocal for him. But overall, I want to see the Penguins get a win. Um, it's just they're rolling right now. Uh, maybe they will put a couple goals on them the way they're scoring. You know, I know you have Yeah, your- I mean, Bob, let me, let me jump in. What if they, like, lit him up and he got pulled? That would suck. I mean, because th- because this suck. team can do that. I mean, look what they did to Braden Holtby, who's a recent Vesna Trophy winner. They knocked him out with six goals uh, in, in, what, two and a half periods. <laughs> I'm not predicting that for tonight, but uh, they've done it to comparable goalies, and very recently, too. Yeah, they absolutely have, and that's always, you know, one of the arrows in their quiver. I mean, this is a high-flying team right now, and they seem to be feeling it, notwithstanding the New Jersey loss on Saturday, but... Uh, I would not want to see that happen and spoil everything for Marc-Andre Fleury, although I still want to see the Penguins get the two points no matter what. Uh, what's your favorite Fleury moment? Uh, mine, obviously, is the save on Lidstrom in uh, 09 Game 7. Stan said the save on Ovi in Game 7, also in 09, but uh, I believe that was in the second round. What's your favorite moment? Favorite moment is the Lidstrom one. I'll agree with you, and I think most Penguins fans would, Mark. There was just so much riding on that at that time and the history of what had happened between the two teams the year before and also just how wide open that net was. I mean, I remember standing up, and I was yelling. I was so sure that the Pens had clinched it, and all of a sudden that rebound comes out. The the net is wide open. Lidstrom is right there, and, like, I gasped. I mean, people, I remember I was at a party. People gasped at it. And when Flurry dove at it, knocked it down, just an unbelievable moment, uh, not just for, you know, all Penguins fans, but obviously for the history of the franchise. So that's got to uh, be number one. Uh, I, uh, I thought a little better about it because I was sitting in the press box in Detroit at, at Joe Lewis at the perfect angle right behind Lidstrom. So it, it, the net looked open for a second, but Flurry got over mm-hmm. uh, definitely with time to spare. You're always worried that the puck might find a hole, to be sure. Uh, the thing I remember most about Mark making that save is I couldn't find the puck right away after Lindstrom shot it. Uh, but then I see the Penguin jerseys jumping up and down and celebrating on the ice, so I figured Mark must have stopped it. I, I knew he got near it, but uh, it, it was still good to hit the clock, see the clock strike three zeros. Mark, you got to love HD at that time because I could see the puck, and once he, was, he deflected and he dove out at that you know, and made that save. I think everybody watching it on TV knew immediately, and there was just an eruption. So uh, a very valid, very worthy number one moment for Marc-Andre Fleury and the Pens. You know what I did like about Game 7 last year at Washington in 2017? It, it just felt soul-crushing. Like, back in '09, who knew who was going to win? Uh, in the Washington series and the Detroit series. But last year, Washington was the favorite. They rallied from three games to one down, and, and, and the Penguins didn't look too good in games five and six. You go back to D.C., 
Flower stands on his head, makes the save with the stick, with the shaft of his stick on Ovi, and they're going to win 2 nothing. I've never seen a team or a building destroyed like the Capitals and their fans were at the end of that night. No, that's a great observation, Mark, and I think a lot of people felt that way. Um, and just to do it to the Caps and the history between the two franchises, and uh, of course, you know, the moment... Flurry has this unbelievable ability to take moments like that and just give him this, you know, this memorable event, not just for the save, but remember him rubbing the shaft to the stick afterwards. And that became... It was kind of provocative, Bob. <laughs> it was extremely provocative, but that's what became the moment coming out of that game. Like, no matter what else happened on the ice, here's Marc-Andre Flurry in just this so Marc-Andre Flurry moment, making everybody laugh, making everybody smile. Uh, that's what I'll remember coming out of that one, and still do. How many times have I seen that on the Internet today? Now, what's the crowd going to be like tonight? Are they going to root for the Penguins, root for Flurry, try to split the difference? What kind of sound do you expect at PPG Paints Arena? I like what Nick Kotsanik has said. Uh, when Marc-Andre Fleury comes out, when they announce him, um, hopefully he won't stumble like he did taking the ice once. I think that was also in the Detroit series, wasn't it? Remember when he uh, came? That, that was at the Joe. That might have been... That might have been the first game of the 08 finals. Okay, so, yeah, he's charging out on the ice, and he just goes down, and Talbot almost runs him down. But uh, I think it will just be boisterous tonight. I think the place will be rocking. Um, everybody's built up to this, you know, since the day he left here. Everybody circled this on the calendar. And once they get that out of the way and, and they don't stop cheering for quite a while and they maybe hold the game up a little bit, um, it'll just be like a regular game. I think most people there, Mark, will want the Penguins to win. But it will be dialed up to 11, as they say. Um, I still do, think, do, you think, do you think Mark's going to cry when they show the tribute video at the first stoppage? I do think he'll tear up because um, I think he's just that personable of a person. I think that the memories are that strong for him. He's been talking about it for the last 48 hours. And I know that it's easy to use the words like weird and strange and stuff like that when you're talking to somebody with a microphone in your face. But when he's out there... And it's that loud, and all the memories come flooding back. I think that uh, one of the reasons Pittsburghers love Marc-Andre Fleury so much is because he was so personable, and I think uh, it's just going to be inevitable that maybe a tear comes down. And, hey, I'm not above that either. I hope you're not either. Now, now one thing that's kind of been swept under the rug, and I blogged about it today at the X website, is after Fleury blew up in the 2012 first round loss to Philadelphia, uh, he was vilified in Pittsburgh by, by a minority, to be sure, but it was a very vocal minority, and that lasted uh, roughly through 2016, didn't it? It absolutely did, Mark. And remember, that was about the time where people re really getting into using social media as a weapon, not just, you know, calling talk shows and stuff like that. But there were blogs dedicated to that. There was Tim, and, Tim Benz and I were doing the morning show here, and we had the Penguins, and it was a daily fight to talk to people who didn't want Marc-Andre Fleury to be the starter. And for people who would just, with venom, I mean, they would call up and just diss him, you know, ad nauseum, just for any reason. They'd even make up stuff. You, you've dealt with it a number of times, you know, throughout the years. But for him, he was the go-to guy at that point, and uh, a lot of it was wholly unfair. Bob, great stuff. Enjoy the game. Absolutely. I'll be yelling at home. <laughs> That's Bob McLaughlin. He's brought to you by... 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Uh, I want your thoughts on Marc-Andre Fleury's best moment in a Penguin uniform, now 412-333-WXDX. What are you hoping to see tonight? What's your ideal result? 
when Flurry and Crosby square off, Flurry versus Murray, Flurry versus the Penguins. Uh, it'll be any and all of those matchups to pay attention to. So uh, what would you ideally like to see happen? Uh, we're kind of ignoring the return of James Neal, Gigolo Jimmy. I'm expecting the Bottle Shop girls to be in attendance. There won't be a dry seat in the house. Of course, Derek Englund, uh, a, a Las Vegas resident, played in the minors there, having a great season for the Knights. Really, David Perron, a point per game, ex-Penguin. Who isn't having a great season for the Knights? It's the best expansion franchise of all time, but hopefully the Penguins can derail that a little bit this evening. In just 30 seconds, I'm going to talk about Tom Brady's kids crying after Daddy lost the Super Bowl and what Mrs. Brady said to get those little brats to be quiet. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X.